everybody, and welcome to the Hunger for the Hustle podcast, episode 67. The show where I, the host Jake Fowler, interview people about their journey in business and entrepreneurship. It's always an interesting show and it always holds lots of value for you, the audience, whether you're in business right now or you're looking to get into business in the future. My guest today, joining me live from Virginia and from my memory, which isn't always the best, but I think it's right, this is my first guest from Virginia. So welcome to the show, Danae. Danae is a Latina, labels herself, and we are just talking about this, for about five years, she's called herself the Latina Serial Entrepreneur. And today we'll be chatting about the value of, I've got to get this right, Latinx, I think that's right, Latinx affiliate network that Danae created and the value of affiliate marketing in general, which is something I'm going to really enjoy talking about because I've heard it much, but I don't quite understand exactly what it is. We will also be talking about the importance of jumping in and solving problems as opposed to just sitting there and complaining about them instead. Danae, it's great to welcome you onto the show. How are you today? I'm great. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. Uh, it took a little bit of a while to get it done. There was a bit of back and forth between us, but I'm very glad that you're here now. And um, yeah, let's let's dive into it, Danae. How did you get started in the world of business and how long have you been in that world? Oh, boy. So I consider myself a dinosaur when it comes to digital marketing. I've been in the space for over 20 years now. Um, and uh, specifically performance marketing, I've been in for over 15 years. Uh, and just the difference is digital marketing just encompasses all of digital marketing. And uh, performance marketing is where you really have to focus on delivering a conversion or delivering something measurable to the client, whatever you know they decide is their KPI. Um, for the most part, you know that's a lead or a sale. Um, so when you're in performance marketing and you specialize in that, that really you know you really really have to kind of know what you're doing because you're getting paid on what you deliver versus just you know let's create a campaign. So. Um, I think it's been a great uh, foundation for um, just being able to, you know, perform and deliver for clients. And uh, so I've been in aff affiliate marketing, right, is a form of performance marketing. I launched my first affiliate campaign on Commission Junction, which was a network in 2004 for an internet based travel agency that I was working for. Um, and since then, I've launched several successful affiliate programs and affiliate networks uh, all the way through to acquisition. I've worked with several startups uh, until I got to the point where I just really wanted to work for myself. Um, and I've been working for myself for about 15 years now. And uh, yeah, I mean, I love what I do. I totally geek out over affiliate marketing and the possibilities and, uh, you know, how well it serves both the advertiser and the affiliate mm -hmm. uh yeah yeah it's it's always good to do what you love and love what you do isn't it um Absolutely. 15, 15 years of doing this you must um you must have quite a harmonious life now because we spend an awful lot of our time working and i think ultimately whether you are or you aren't happy in what you do as a job it takes up a large proportion of your life um that then plays out to to the rest of your life 
Absolutely. I mean, you know, I'm a workaholic and I'm proud to say that I'm a workaholic. So, um, you know, yes, I have work-life balance uh, yeah. as far as I see it and how I want to define it and how my family is happy with it. But, um, you know, I love the hustle. I love the grind. I love what I do. So to me, even though there are stressful moments and there are a lot of, you know, um, things in the air that you have to juggle, uh, I like it. I thrive on it. So it doesn't seem like work. It's not like I'm going into an office and dreading every day or working on things that I'm not passionate about. So mm -hmm. it's uh, for me, it just, you know, yes, I work a lot, but I like what I do and I like to work a lot. Yeah, that, that's, that's a big difference between um, loving what you do and doing it a lot and, and not loving it. So, um, yeah, I think that's 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 fantastic. And it's, it's good that you found your niche and you went with it. And now 15 years in, I can imagine it's been a roller coaster, much like it is anyone who works for themselves. And, and you're faced with a series of challenges that you have to overcome. Perhaps you could share some of the challenges you've had whilst you've been in, in business in those 15 years. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the first time I ventured into a business um, after leaving the corporate world and the startup world, I partnered with somebody and, uh, you know, I was green when it came to partnering. So I didn't really um, know that you needed to define certain things quite well, be, you know, before you jump into a partnership. And so we had our contracts, but they were very basic. Uh, and as time went on and we had disagreements about, you know, how to reinvest in the company, how to grow the company, where to take things, uh, you know, it just, it didn't turn out well. And we both went our separate ways. Um, so that is definitely uh, something that, you know, hindsight tells me that I really should have sought out more uh, advice on that. I really should have gone to mentors and um, prepared myself a little bit more before I jumped into that. But, you know, then the entrepreneur in me is like, well, you should, you know, jumping in is part of, you know, being an entrepreneur. Sometimes it's taking the risk and all of that. So, yeah, you know, it's uh, um, just not defining partnerships. Well, I think was a big, big um no no for me yeah i think in those early days you have to make those mistakes it's it's actually all part of the learning process and it's it's better to make them earlier as an entrepreneur than those mistakes and as long as you actually take the value the lessons from them um and look sometimes we don't right sometimes we we do we do things wrong we go through them we think yeah yeah we've i've learned from that i won't do it again and then you find yourself in the same situation sometimes a short time later but yeah, going through those those things, you know, the the, the struggles with partnership, the re and and learning the lesson from it that I should have got a mentor, or I should have seek some advice from someone who had perhaps already been through it. These are like golden lessons that always come up on the show. Um, sometimes I ask people, you know, if if you were to start in business again, what would you do differently? And ninety nine percent of people, it, it comes up in their answer somewhere that they could have seeked out guidance advice be that a mentor a coach perhaps you know it depends what in what regard it, it is it could even be in the sense of legal advice or good accounting advice these are all to, to, to um someone who can advise you really legally and you can trust and where it gets your accounts and your numbers right most importantly your tax as well are just just really key pillars that you need in uh, in the world of business particularly when you're doing it for yourself 
Absolutely. Um, I couldn't agree the, more. At the start, you know, you're doing it all right. Was that what it was like for you? Were you doing you doing all the bookkeeping? You're doing all that? Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. I was handling all of that. Um, my partner was handling uh, most of the sales. And so um, it was definitely, you know, a two-person crew. And we grew it to about uh, a group of 12. So it wasn't tiny. Uh, still a small business, but, um, you know, we definitely grew it. Uh, but, yeah, I agree with you. Uh Number one, anytime you have a failure, that is an opportunity to gain some wisdom. And, you know, I think if you gain wisdom, it's not wasted, right? It's not wasted effort. It's not wasted time. Uh, and the other thing is, yes, 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 yes. Seek out advice and guidance, especially when it comes to finances and legal structures. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Now let's talk about a bit more, go into a bit more detail about affiliate marketing marketing and exactly what it is. Um, I'm sure many people watching will have heard of it as have I, but you know, I'm not going to try and define it because I would make a hash of it. I'll just leave it to you. Okay. So breaking it down to the basics, affiliate marketing is where you have an advertiser, someone, a brand, someone with a product or a service that um, wants to have people sell that brand or service or product on their behalf and they're willing to pay a commission for those sales. That's like the basics of affiliate marketing. You know, it, the, the, the action that can be paid for can be a sale, it can be a lead, it can be, you know, a click, but for the most part, it usually focuses on sales. And so um, an affiliate network, which is what we run, has to have four components. An affiliate network has to have advertisers with a product or service that appeals to a large market that can be reached online. It has to have affiliates who or creators, people who have the audience that wants that product or service right or that will want that product or service and then you have to have a platform that can serve both the advertisers and the affiliates and facilitate things like payments um, all of the technical aspects all of the tracking all of the reporting and then the fourth thing is you need a team that understands both the advertisers and the affiliates where each of them is coming from and the market that each of them is serving so um, it's a lot of moving parts, but when you have a good team and you have a good system and a good platform, you know, magic happens, and that's affiliate marketing. <laughs> yeah, no, thanks for clearing that up in a, in a nice, easy, digestible way. So essentially, it's people who are, you know, in or have either purchased a product or service themselves and think, look, I know other people that could use this product and service so I'm gonna I'm gonna promote it and for doing that the the people who actually sell the products and service at the top level are gonna give me a kickback for every every time I get a transaction done for them. Absolutely. And I mean affiliates can be anything. It could be a podcaster, it could be you know someone on YouTube with a channel, it could be someone on Instagram, someone who has a blog, a website, sends out a newsletter, anybody with an audience online can yeah. monetize that audience with affiliate marketing. Yeah, which is, I mean, it's all about, for me as well, it's been about for a long time about creating mul multiple income streams. You know, I think 2020 
has taught anyone that who didn't know before and anyone who did know it they've either probably lost some or added some more depending on you know what kind of marketplace they're in but affiliate marketing is a great way to add um, another income stream to and a fairly i'm not going to say easy one because i don't think i think everything that is worth it requires work and and that's you know just how it is there's no shortcuts around that but if you've already got an audience and particularly if it's a niche audience then you can you know attach affiliate marketing to that and bring in some extra income off the back of it and, and you know quite frankly why not it's the internet's a very busy place it's a very noisy place you know it's now reached a level of maturity where it's an open playing field and anyone with any even a basic understanding of the technology in their hand can use it in, and grow an audience but as it gets busier it gets become harder to grow that audience so if you put the work into already growing an audience then why not why not have it make you some extra cash right absolutely and um so not only that even when you're in the beginning phases right and you're learning to grow your audience you're building your audience you're starting from scratch it makes sense to have a monetization strategy because your content, if it's evergreen content, if it, you know, people can come back to it a year later, six months later, right? That content can be making you money. And as far as recurring revenue is concerned, there are many programs, right? There are many advertisers who pay recurring monthly payouts on things like memberships or on you know products that have a recurring monthly billing so it's a good way to establish recurring revenue as well so it's great for beginners it's great for establishing recurring revenue and it is great for you know monetizing the audience that you already have yeah fantastic so it works at, at any level along, along the way and one thing i'm big on is if you're like just getting started in in the online space you know whether it's whatever platform you're using is like documenting the journey of, of what you're doing, as well as just, um, you know, capturing those moments that, that really, as you, as you grow and as things play out and as you, you know, you find your, your position in, in the online space to kind of document as you go. So I think affiliate marketing can go hand in hand with that really well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now tell me about some some big wins and some triumphs you've had in those 15 years of business you know moments that really stuck out to you that you cherish and thought this is fantastic this is why I do what I do So um we've had a, we've had quite a few really fun wins um but I'll tell you about one that um isn't quite as uh, uh I guess as sexy as some, what one would think and that is that there was one week where, you know, I'd been doing this for years and years and years. And, uh, you, you know, th that whole saying of trust the work, trust the work, it'll happen, it'll happen. Um, you know, and so I would keep doing the work and keep doing the work and getting my message out about the Hispanic market, the Latino, the Latinx market, um, and how it's such a viable market uh, and how, you know, Latinos represent almost three trillion and trillion in GDP. I mean, it's it's they're insane numbers. Mm -hmm. And so uh, there was one week a few years ago where I must have gotten about 20 emails in that one week with people reaching out to me asking specific information about the Hispanic market, about affiliate marketing um, with 
with a specification on the Hispanic Latino market. And that just kind of like, you know, it dawned on me, like it hit me. Okay. I've established that I'm in the space, someone to come to, someone to reach out to for information about that. And that to me is huge from a marketing standpoint, because, you know, at that point, it's just people coming to you. You're not even really trying to find the leads or trying to find the clients. And that was a big like aha moment for me of just, okay, it works. It's working. It's, you know, it's paying off. Yeah, that's a fantastic moment. You know, you when you're putting in the work and plugging away, it's always nice to get the feedback. And particularly when you're, you know, trying to cement yourself as a position of someone as a voice of people who can go to and get advice and 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 someone who has that wealth of experience for others. It's nice, really nice when that actually plays out and people get in touch and reach out to you about it. Three three trillion, did you say, GDP from um, Hispanic? Oh, my gosh. So let me tell you about some numbers. Uh, so Latino businesses, there are about four and a half million Hispanic Latino-owned companies, uh, which represent about 14% of the 33 million total U.S. businesses. Mm-hmm. In the last 10 years, the number of Latino business owners grew 34%, 34% versus the overall U.S. market, which grew 1%. Wow. The, what do you think that is? The, so the Hispanic business um, sector represents $700 billion. That's businesses. On the flip side, As far as consumers are concerned, right, there's 60 million Hispanic Latino consumers in the United States. They represent anywhere between two and a half to three trillion in economic activity. If we would consider Hispanics or Latinos its own country, let's say, just in the U.S., we would be the seventh largest economy after France. That's how much money the market represents. So it's a huge market. It's compl- it's totally viable. It's totally like mass market, um, and it's just you know it's it's there's opportunity. There's a ton of opportunity. Mm-hmm. There's a ton of opportunity, and um, there's a ton of hustle there as well, which I think um, that shines through. You know, they grow that that market. The Hispanic market is growing at thirty four percent, whereas you look at the overall of America is only one percent. That's thirty three percent. Uh, there's a uh, huge, I mean, a lot of hustle going on there, which, which kind of leads really well to, to the next question, which is how do you define the word hustle, Danae, and, and what draws your evident hunger that you have for it? So I am an immigrant. I was born in Cuba. I came over to the United States, um, Miami, when I was five years old. My dad had been a political prisoner. Um, So I grew up with this mindset of, number one, don't take anything for granted because here you have freedom. You have freedom of expression. You have the freedom to do anything you want. And the only thing that holds you back is how hard you work for it. And so when you come from that and you come from a, you know, a mindset growing up where everyone around you is working hard and everyone around you has gratitude because they know what's on the other side of that. Right. Mm. You know, they know why they know the scarcity, they know the lack of freedoms, they know all of the bad stuff. And so 
you know, I grew up with a with a heavy focus on the good stuff. And so for me, I don't take it for granted that there's a lot of work. I see it as a blessing. I see it as opportunities that are like, you know, shining at me left and right. And it's up to me to take hold of them and take advantage of them and make them work for me. Um, so, yeah. So my hustle really comes from that immigrant mentality of, you know, we're here. We made it. Now let's do something about it. Now let's work our way up the socioeconomic ladder. And so for my parents, uh, you know, they 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 did that for my brother and I. They gave us these opportunities and these freedoms. And so, you know, we really took that to heart and we really just, you know, hustled and worked hard. And and that's that's where that comes from. Yeah, you know, it doesn't surprise me at all. It's a, it's just a story I've seen play out lots of times with people who are immigrants who move to new countries. I'm an immigrant myself. I've been here in Australia for five years, originally from the UK. And, and just like speaking from personal experience, when you move to another country with, you know, a brand new set of dreams and ideas and, and some pretty some pretty bright, starry eyes, um, you... Of course, you want success and you work really hard for it and you don't want to go back, as you as you said, you know, for a whole different set of reasons. I just didn't want to go back because um, I, I would I would have seen going back actually as failure to me, as quitting. And that's not something I, I like to do at all. Um, for, for you, of course, and for your family, you know, um, I guess there really wasn't an option to go back and, and no, no, even, no. not at all. And it's, yeah. Not something you would have wanted to do so it's it's forward you know that everything is forward everything is moving forward everything is growing how can we grow and it, i found it didn't really matter to anyone what i'd done before okay great you've got the experience great you've done xyz this is what it says on your resume um well let's actually see what you can do in the workplace and the environment you know for me um worked in construction as a plumber um so you can say you're the best plumber in the world but it isn't until someone actually sees you on the tools that they know, you know, how good how good you are. So that that's the thing as well, right? You have to kind of prove yourself again. You have to somewhat start at the bottom of the ladder, and as you said, work your way up that ladder. And um, yeah, it's a, it's a really resounding thing. Your back's up against the wall, and and you know that growth is the only option. And and of course, hustle goes hand in hand with that growth. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We've got a quick question on the side here from Emily. Nice to see you watching again, Emily. Emily's a great fan of the show. She said, what are some of the easy ones to use that you recommend? And I think because it was from earlier, she was talking about um, affiliate marketing platforms. So none of them are going to be easy in the sense that there's no learning curve because you're going to have to learn how to use that platform and they all have help files they all have knowledge bases so you know you can learn it um but a good platform is share a sale that one as far as ease of use is probably the best one that i can recommend um, our platform which is miraclick m-i-r-a dot click c-l-i-c-k uh and so it's not i wouldn't say difficult it's just uh, to get started, you do need to kind of run through a little bit of the help files and, you know, learn um, depending on your 
expertise, right? Your level of expertise and where you are. Uh, if you know HTML, if you know how to copy and paste code onto your website or onto a blog, or when you're creating an email, then it's a lot easier for you. If you don't know how to do those things, then you kind of have to learn a little bit and step through the process a little bit. So um, I hope I answered the question uh, to your liking. I, you know, the, I, I would suggest um, share a sale for, for beginners. Okay. That's great advice. Thanks for that. Um, oh, I've lost, lost the wrong, had the wrong screen in front of me then for a second. If you had to start again in business tomorrow, let's, let's wind, I'm going to wind you back for a second in your mind. We're going to jump into a time machine and you're going to go to perhaps a year in to where you started. So we'll go back to 14 years ago. Is there anything, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? And if you look back, you would have done significantly differently. I know you already talked about perhaps, you know, finding a mentor and a coach. But is there, is there anything else that you would have really just so, done? Hindsight is a beautiful thing, right? So yeah. um, one thing that I would absolutely have focused more on is uh, branding myself, um, personal branding, and PR. I suck at that. <laughs> Uh, I'm really like, I like teaching. I like teaching concepts. I like talking about concepts. Not a big fan about talking about myself or not a big fan of talking about myself. So I'm really more comfortable when I'm talking about concepts, when I'm teaching, you know, when I'm delivering um, content that I feel is serving someone. So I would definitely, uh, you know, have challenged myself more back then uh, and gone out on the speaking circuit more and done a lot more PR, a lot more um, appearances and stuff like that versus, uh, you know, the way I did it, which it still worked. Um, but I think it would have been a lot faster. Uh, it, it would have worked a lot faster had I done that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The value of a personal brand is just massive, isn't it? And the way that that can work in synchronicity with your business, Absolutely. you know, and growing that. Um, like I said earlier, you know, going back to documenting, I don't know if you documented how you did it at all, but um, I kind of documented the journey of me going from employee to entrepreneur. And I know in, you know, five, 10, 25 years' time, when my children and even one day their children children can look at that doc that that how that played out for me is as like a documented process it'll be an awesome thing you know to capture those moments we have the ability to do within a device that's in our hand that we're using like a lot of the day right so why not just capture it and and, and whether you you know put it out there on one two three four or nine 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 platforms in different ways um it's going to take some time. It's going to take some effort. It's going to take some energy. But once you've built that personal, that personal brand up, um, you're going to get attention. That's the currency. When you get that attention, a percentage of those people are going to be driven to find out what you do actually in the world of business. And a percentage of those people are going to be like, great, I can use that. I'm looking for that anyway. I, I, I trust and value this person. They seem genuine. They document a lot of the stuff that they do. So um, you're going to win business through, through branding yourself personally. I, I wish I would have done it sooner. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Tell me about some of your goals, dreams, and, and aspirations for the future of your business, and maybe even why not for yourself? 
So um, I definitely see myself doing this for a long, long time. I don't see, you know, retiring anywhere in the near future. It doesn't like, it doesn't um, appeal to me at all. Frankly, um, why, sorry to cut across you, but frankly, why would you if if the market that you're in is growing at that, that rate? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So personally, I want to see tons of campaigns from Latino businesses all over the web, just every single place, I, or at least representative of the percentage of businesses versus the general market, right? Um, so it's it's anywhere between 14 and 16 percent of uh, businesses are Latino businesses, and so I plan to be a big part of making that happen. And uh, you know we're in the works right now. We launch new campaigns every week with new advertisers from Hispanic and Latino businesses, um, and uh, you know that. I just want to see more and more online. I want to be able to go to Facebook and see more campaigns that that you know cater to that market. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's a big goal for me as far as the business is concerned. Yeah, well, uh, you're already well on the way, and you just just keep doing it, keep plugging away, keep climbing. I think um, there's going to be a lot of rewards for you in that. And I'm just I'm just wondering what do you think like really is fueling this big growth for those Latino businesses? Is it that Latino people prefer to, you know, support their own in a way and, and like to do business? You know, there's a bit of a patriotic value in it there that they'd rather, um, you know, do their business with other Latino businesses, you know, other Hispanic people. Uh, do you think that's maybe what's driving it or is it something else? So it's a few things. Um so the Hispanic culture in general uh, is very entrepreneurial. Yes. So I think that's definitely a big one. Another thing that's fueling more businesses is women. So Latina women are just launching businesses at an alarmingly fast rate. I see, rate. That. I see um, that. Yeah. And so, you know, that's a big part of why it's growing as well uh, is the women. And another part of it is the population growth. The Latino population is growing tremendously in the United States. And so I believe, um, oh, I, I can't remember the statistic right now. I'm a numbers person, I, I, I generally do. Uh, <laughs> I like numbers. Um, so I can't remember the number, but it's like a huge number where the Latino population is well under 18 right so there are a lot of kids that are growing the population as well and so it's it's continuing to like really expand and uh i think those those factors all you know those things all factor into why it's such an explosion of um of growth yeah yeah and culturally for me culturally you know it's we're just entrepreneurial in general yeah just you just are born you could say you're just all born with a hunger for the hustle that's <laughs> <laughs> a wrap it in there somewhere hey as we close out i've really enjoyed this this time of you today i think um this has been a fantastic episode if anyone's just actually joined this episode um we're about 25 uh, 30 minutes in you know we've been really diving deep into here into the latino growth of of, of entrepreneurs and, and how that's really exploding 
recently. So, you know, if you're watching this and you are Latino, you are Hispanic, or you know someone that is and could get some value from it, make sure you share it with them because there's a lot of gems in here. As we close out tonight, I'd love for you to give three hot tips to the audience. Um, you know, perhaps if any Latino Hispanic people are watching, they're thinking about getting into business, they probably know someone that already does based on what you said. You know, what's the best way for, maybe for them to get, get started? So the best way to get started is to get started, right? Um, if you if you want to be a creator, you want to be an affiliate, you know, create a blog, jump on Instagram, start seeking out people that represent things that you like and, um, you know, search with hashtags, whatever it is, whatever platform you decide to live on and, uh, you know, get started. Um, the other thing I would say is, and this is a big one, and I, you know, I, I I like say this so many times, and I'll keep saying it. Um, you have to own your audience. So if you're on Instagram, if you're on YouTube, Twitter, whatever platform, Facebook, any platform that you're on that is a social media platform, please have a process to turn your audience into your own. So you build your list, list building, create an email list because that is your bread and butter. Platforms come and go. Look at what happened with, um, oh gosh, I forget the name of the platform. The one that was just video, it was like five second videos. Uh, Vine. Vine. Oh, yeah. Vine. Vine was amazing. Bunch of people you know, made a lot of money on it. They had millions of followers. It went away. What happened to all those followers? Yeah. They lost them. Mm -hmm. And so had they worked on turning those followers into also, you know, their database yeah. and their actual audience and owning their audience, um, you know, they wouldn't have been so hurt by a platform coming and going. And so that's a big one is make sure you own your audience. And then, you know, another one is be a giver. Always be a giver. It comes back whether you have the intention of it coming back or not give 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 you know find ways to give to others help businesses um because when you give people remember that and people remember who you are and they'll come to you when they need your expertise right it was um uh what was that quote um People don't remember people. It was Maya Angelou. People will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. Yes. And so that is huge. I live by that. And every day now that I've been in business for 20 plus years and, you know, it constantly, constantly, you know, hits me in the face. Oh, my gosh, this person, you know, who you helped. X number of years ago is coming back to you or making an introduction or, you know, helping you out. And so I really, really believe in the giving before asking. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a great way to frame it. And I think, um, yeah, the, I had to tie that out. The best way to get started is to get started. It sounds just so obvious, but it really is the way. And what you said about the multiple platforms, of course, you know, you join these platforms, you put content on them, you have no control over how long they're going to be there for. We've seen that play out with back in the day, MySpace, if anyone remembers that one, you know, <laughs> Vine, mentioned, Tumblr, Friendster. Friends, oh, Friendster. <laughs> um, barely, I barely remember that one. Um, 
a lot of them came and went. A lot of forums over the years come and gone. Tumblr yeah. came and went. Yeah. You know, um, let's be real. TikTok nearly went. It's still there. It's hanging on in some countries. Some countries it's been bad. There. That used to be musically. It got rebranded. It would have lost some yes. of its in the interim when that happened but so you don't have control over that that platform that that business that and it's longevity but what you do have control over is the content you put out and how you multi-purpose that content to different platforms and of course in what you said how you funnel those people and multi-purpose them to collect their information so you've got that in a list somewhere and then you know when something comes up that you believe they may be interested in you can you can reach out to them that is really important Absolutely. Absolutely. And even just, you know, even if you stay on a platform, right, and the platform doesn't go away, they all have this cycle that they follow. Like, remember when Facebook had the pages, right? And everybody, hey, everybody create your Facebook page. It's this great thing. And it was all over everybody's feeds and the Facebook pages got a ton of coverage and, you know, they worked wonderfully. And then all of a sudden, oop, you your Facebook page that you created that some people spent a lot of money to bring users to it, to like it, all of a sudden it doesn't show up on anybody's feed. There's zero organic traffic now on Facebook pages. You have to buy ads to even get your you know, followers on the pages to see your posts. And yeah. they all do it. Like if you, if you break them down and look at every social network, they all have a point where they have a product, they drive people to use the product a lot, they make the product, you know, show up in the feed or give you extra love because you use it and you create the content for it and build it for them. And then all of a sudden it disappears and you have to pay for it. Yeah, that's how it plays out every time, and that's how it's about to shortly play out with TikTok, maybe within the next one oh, yeah. to three years. So, you know, it happened with Facebook, as you said. It happened with Instagram. It happened with other platforms. Happened, could say, kind of happened with LinkedIn to a degree, although you can still get an awful amount of organic reach on, on LinkedIn because it's just it's a bit different how that works and, and how the audience is. But it will happen. So, you know, particularly these platforms and, and the, the beauty of it, I always think is like, what's next? Who knows what's next? Who knows what platform is going to come up next? Look how quickly TikTok really came up from when it was musically to, to what it is now when it rebranded and probably had the right investment and the right brands behind it to make it do that. But it's exciting. You don't know what's coming next. And it's always good to keep your eyes and ears open to, to what's out there. Absolutely. And build that list. Talking about building lists, Emily, who asked you the question before, has said something on the side here. Honor the divine feminine and you'll raise the collective vibration, i.e. the matriarch allows masculine slash feminine balance. Tick. I have grown an audience from 30 to 245 followers. Emily, I would just like to say to you, that is fantastic. I remember speaking to Emily when she was right at the beginning of creating her business, and that was probably three or four months ago and she was asking me, you know, she just reached out to me, asked me some questions on what would be the best way to do that and how she could do it. And clearly she's got off to quite a good start there because um, she's, my math, you, my math isn't that good, but that's at least double, triple, possibly quadruple um, what she started with. <laughs> it's, almost, it's almost 10 times once she gets to 300. There you go. See, that is why you are a numbers person and I am not. <laughs> Well done, Emily. That's great to see. And thanks for giving us that, that feedback. Danae, I am going to drop your links in here to the comments so people can find more about you on a personal level and on a business level. But did you just want to tell the folks the best place to find you and connect with you? Absolutely. So my two favorite places that I hang out are LinkedIn and 
I'm D-A-N-A-Y. So it's my first name only. So it's LinkedIn forward slash in forward slash D-A-N-A-Y. Um, and the other place that I hang out a lot is an Instagram and my profile is D-A-N-A-Y dot E. Those are the two places I tend to hang out in. Got it. And I've dropped you in the comments there. Please stay on camera afterwards because I just want to chat to you quickly about something with my business and uh, affiliate marketing. Um, but it's been a fantastic show. I've really enjoyed having you on. Thank you for your time and energy. And thank you all, folks, to all of you who are watching, wherever you're watching from, whether you're watching now, live or later. If you've got some value out of this episode or you know someone that might, please give it a like. Please give it a share. Thanks so much and enjoy the rest of your day, night, morning, evening, wherever you're watching from. Thank you for having me. I had a great time. My pleasure. Thanks, guys.